Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And the boys had been fighting about who would get to sit on the window seat. And Henry got the window seat and wanted to shut the window so his big brother Walker could not look out. Bootsy was not happy about this. Right. Liz and I are sitting behind him <laughs> holding, holding the captain. And at one point before the flight takes off, we see him scribbling because now he can write. And he fills in his little um, little picture and he writes in a, in a six-year-old's hand, Henry is the worst. W-U-R-S-T. Worst, yeah. Henry's the worst. That's great. That's wonderful. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Saw the boys over the weekend. The boys look great. Everybody looks great. All three of them look great. Um, some small golf stories before we get to the... Obviously, there are golf stories today because we're going to be talking about the British Open and Brian Harmon. Uh, you you watched him play in the junior. What, what were your thoughts of seeing him win a major? Somebody I, you were essentially competing right, against. Right, so this is... I see him take off the hat, and he, uh, he has a little bit more hair loss than I remember from right. 2003. Right. Uh, but you just remember the first hole at Columbia when he looks at the other kid and goes, good, good. Good, good. Like a four-footer down the hill on some pretty fast uh, Poe Greens. But uh, yeah, good, good. Uh, no, this was... The Butcher of Hoylake is a fantastic nickname and you just saw what he did over the final 36 holes where he has stumbles early but he writes the ship and really he played with a lead that only poor play and poor decisions by himself could have been his undoing and when he was in trouble he came back and birdied some of the harder holes in the course if you look at the way they organize these apps now they show you the the relative difficulty that that sort of influx as the day goes on he birdies one of the easiest holes in the course because he hits it into a bush has to take the playable bogeys at yep. and then he ends up coming back with the uh, birdies on, on a par three that you don't see coming uh, the word that i would use to describe him is professional he's a professional golfer out there he never let it get close he did everything he was supposed to do he was judicious he was conservative he putted like wild for four days good for him right yeah, and this is one of those, It's you have to understand golf, because you look at the names that are just below him, and again, the most exciting drama of the final round happened probably an hour before he tees off, where Rory McIlroy's pouring in 50 footers. Yeah. In the rain, he goes to the complete tan rain suit, which you know means trouble. Uh, but at at the end of the day, holes are his best friend. The other players are running out of holes, and he has enough holes on the card, where again, unless he does something completely out of the, uh, the expected, you know hitting it out of bounds, he has the holes to sort of buffer any any charge that's coming from the field. Though I still think one of the best parts is after the round, you find out that one of his recent purchases, he bought a big tractor. Big tractor. Not sure his wife knew the expense of that tractor, but I think coming home with $3 million, that helps. they'll be listening to some Kenny Chesney. She thinks my tractors. <laughs> it'll, it'll certainly be enough. I had a great honor on Saturday. I got to play, you've heard me talk about Marty West on this show a lot. He's Likely the greatest amateur golfer in the history of the Washington, D.C. area, right? Is that Marty West of the Wall of Fame? Wall of Fame and Hall of Fame. He's a half waff. Wow. He's a half waff. So Bud Giblin and I, and it's always good to play with your dermatologist, Bud Giblin and I were going to play, and Marty was there, and Bud said, do you want to play? And Marty came up and said, I can't refuse this opportunity. And so I was really happy. Marty and I are the same age. Marty got all the hair jeans. Marty got all the golf jeans. I'm a little bit funnier. so, And I like Marty over a long period of time. I admire him. And to play with him was a great honor. And he plays from the member tees, the white tees. And he is 
10 years eligible to go play from the gold tees to play a much shorter course. And Marty doesn't do that because he's still a great player and he can still hit it a long, a long way. He has power in his swing. He has accuracy. I'm going around with a fella who's my age or I'm his age, however you want to look at it. He shot 68. He shot 68. That's two under. He bogeyed the first hole. I kept an unofficial score. Birdied the second hole. Birdied the seventh hole. Birdied the 17th hole. Was around the pin all day long. Shot 68 by my count. It doesn't even matter what, what, the, what the number is. To shoot your age in golf is something that everyone strives for as they get older and older and older. They'll have to miss a few greens for that. Yeah, he, he's, he, there's two people I know that shoot their age consistently. There's Marty West and Maury Povich. Right. Oh, they do it all the time. Did he get that look in his eyes after number one? Yeah, I bogeyed. What am I doing? that little glint. Yeah, and then and then he hit it down the hill on two. Hit it all the way down to the bottom on two, which is come on. It was a great honor for me to be there playing with him. And every once in a while, he would say, "Good shot," as if like, "Wow, wow, look Look at at this guy. He hit a good shot." You're just trying (laughs) not to hit him out of the bunkers. A good (laughs) shot isn't a good. It's just I escaped hitting it into the water. Is a you know something like that. That was a great honor. Then I got to play with my son yesterday. I played. um, with my son, and I played with Gary Williams, and we played with Chris Lindsay. Chris Lindsay's a good player. Chris Lindsay had five birdies. He had five played birdies. Played a tight draw all afternoon. You know, wow. five birdies. It's great. You know, when you're, when you're with someone who's playing great, it's just, a, a, it, it's just a joy. I wanted to get to this thing. This is the thing I wanted to get to most of all. When I picked up the Washington Post on Sunday, and this happens very often at the Washington Post, there's something called a wraparound. As you take the paper out of the plastic and you unfold it, there's something wrapped around the A section on the left-hand side of the A section. It's an advertisement of some sort. 99% of the time, it's selling you something. It's windows Mattresses. or food yeah. or... Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's something... something to catch your eye. Probably costs a lot of money. I'm going to take a shot. I don't know what it costs. But it's a wraparound on a Sunday paper, which is going to cost more because Sunday papers sell more than regular papers. And I look at it, and there is the familiar burgundy of gold. Burgundy and gold. And it's, there's a W on the top. And it says an open letter from Josh Harris and Washington Commander's Ownership Group. I opened it up. And first of all, I think it's when I see it, I think this is brilliant to begin with. And it just says, Dear Commanders fans, this week my partners and I were entrusted by the NFL with the stewardship of your great franchise. This agreement is more than simply a business transaction. We understand that we are taking on the responsibility of managing a public trust. As a lifelong Washington football fan who grew up here in Chevy Chase, I know that the Commanders are more than just a sports team. The franchise is an institution passed down from generation to generation, whether it was the stories my parents told me about Sammy and Sonny, Sammy Baugh, Sonny Jurgensen, or the stories that I tell my own children about the team under Coach Gibbs. Three Super Bowl rings, eight playoff appearances, and 154 wins. The organization has a rich history of excellence and success. 
I remember walking into RFK as a kid and feeling the stadium physically rocking with energy. It's that feeling and the power of this franchise that brings people together. And it's that excitement and commitment to winning that we aim to bring back to Washington fans today. It's no secret that these past years have been tumultuous for our franchise and our fans, but today marks a new era for the Commanders. From day one, it is our top priority to deliver you a championship-caliber team. With a proven track record of winning across sports and business, we invest and plan for long-term success. We listen, we learn, and we are eager to immerse ourselves in this franchise to guide it with respect and dignity it deserves. Most importantly, we hope to earn your trust. We look forward to meeting you in the community and soon at FedEx Field and learning how we can make the maximum positive impact. Our promise is simple. We will do the work, create the culture, and make the investment needed to deliver for this team and for Washington. We will strive every day to ensure we are a franchise you can be proud of. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Whoever wrote it. It's well written. Whoever wrote it. Active. It, it's it's yes. absolutely what you want to hear. And he, Josh Harris, didn't have to do it. What does it cost? 100000 500000 I have no idea. I'm throwing numbers out here. I don't think it costs a million dollars. But even if it does, it is worth 100 times that in public relations. You read this and you say to yourself, yeah, I'm with this guy. Yeah, I am with this guy. They must have had this idea. They didn't have this idea on Saturday. They had it long before Saturday. This was written and this was planned and this was calculated. And it's, is it not perfect? Yes, yeah, so perfect. Here is the, the one pushback I would have. This has become standard operating procedure for every big athlete's farewell or big ownership change. You write the open letter to the city and it goes in the paper. Uh, my issue is I don't get the paper copies, so I was not right. able to see this. Right. When I saw you yesterday, it's the first I heard of it. And, and looking at it, it's, it's powerful. The image, it's beautifully done. Oh. The language. I mean, you're, you're sitting in Tennyson territory to strive, to seek, to find. You have a lot of active, forward-thinking <laughs> verbiage here. Uh, but imagine this. How many people my age are going to go back to the stadium? Well, I'll go back for a game. or Let's get the kid a jersey. Let's, you just bought yourself years. Yeah. And I wonder if, if that was a calculated move to put it in the newspaper where, in old, like, typically older people. Old people. Right. So, so, yeah, well, the people that, Bring you know, them back. They're bring, the ones, yes. They're the, the ones you have to bring back. Yeah. Yes. And they'll bring back their children and their grandchildren. Yeah. It's just, it was, I, I looked at, I was awed by how smart it was. Yeah. What a good thing it was to do. Um, and now I've read a little bit about Josh Harris because the paper is filled with stories about him. And he went to Penn. He wrestled. He wrestled, varsity really? wrestled at Penn. Yeah, where he met it. Well, he, his friend Mark Ein went with him, but they were boyhood chums. Mark Ein is in your tennis life. Mark Ein That's is very right. important. He runs that tournament. Yes. Yeah, Mark Ein's very nice. I mean, he invites me every year. Yeah, the castles the on the castles. Yeah. Vin- well, also to, at the tournament. Yeah. At, on 16th Street. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, congratulations, honestly, to. Absolutely. Josh Harris and, and everybody with him because it's, it's when you read brilliant. that all I can imagine is if you were still on the paper if I could see you annotate that in real time and sort of the sidebar parentheticals as to the allusions to prior ownership <laughs> yeah uh, well, obstacles you have to overcome now did you railings see, falling he's got he's, the, the three most important words in there because two of them have to change are commanders nobody wants commanders no nope. nobody wants commanders uh, FedEx. Nobody wants FedEx. No, FedEx doesn't even want FedEx. <laughs> right. Don't want it. No. And RFK. Everybody wants RFK. Yep. And these people on the city council who get in the way of that should be voted out. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's long term and short term. 
The best thing for Washington, D.C. would be to put a stadium right back there in the middle of the city. Yes, that's what you should do. Take a break. Michael Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. In 2040, the average... Major League roster has only nine players and none is an imposter. Everyone pitches an inning every night. They all hit homers, they hit them out of sight. The Dodgers, for example, have Shohei Dean, Shohei Wilson, Shohei Green, Shohei Ramirez, Shohei Magdalena, Shohei Jones, Shohei Bonavena, Shohei Patterson, Shohei Lot. That's all they need, that's all they got. Travel costs are down, hotel costs are down, catering is down. They all live in one house in town. Nine Shoheis on every big league squad. They all pitch and hit, everyone a god. They'll all be in Cooperstown, they'll all be in the hall. Twenty. Well, if everybody, you know, if you, if you took your high school team and you took your shortstop off your high school team because he's also your number one pitcher, right. you know, then you get to the majors and this is what you do. It's a sea change in the majors. Michael Wilbon joins us after the great Dan Byrne. Um, speaking, I'll just start with baseball. Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland. I don't know, Mike. I don't know. They're not, I, I wouldn't have put him in the hall. How about you? I wouldn't have. Well, I was even surprised to find out Rowland was in. Or guy, you know, getting in. Uh, McGriff to me is in. Didn't McGriff hit four hundred ninety some home runs, something like that? Four ninety three. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, he's in. McGriff's in. Roland, I gotta look. I gotta look. I have to study him. He's not somebody I studied, even though I'm aware of his whole career. Just... Um, I, again, I'm not gonna sit here and say he's not. I just, I was a little surprised. McGriff, I would have voted for. McGriff was put in by the old timers. McGriff didn't. Yeah, didn't get was, a sniff of it. He gone in. You think he's 93, you're in. Okay. To me. All right. All right. Um, did you by any chance see, I, I just talked about this. Did you see the wraparound ad that the commanders took that wrapped around the A section yesterday in the post? No, no. It's brilliant. It. It's brilliant. It's, you know, it's not, it's not selling windows. God bless Window Nation. It's not selling food at the Safeway. It was a pledge to people in the area, how much the team meant and what the ownership would do. It was brilliant. Oh, good, good. It's totally good. brilliant. People, I mean, they're, you know, it's, it seems to be divided as to whether people think they'll hop right back in or say, no, I've gone. I've gone on to other things. I've run into people who've said both. And so I'm just listening. I'm just in. It's a small sample size for me. Um, but, uh, you know, even at Columbia yesterday, Tony, that, that's, what I sort of did 
did, just people stopping to say, hey, what do you think? Or I heard what yeah. you talked about. And, yeah. I'm not going back. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I, you talked to somebody who said that um, they go to tailgate, and but don't go to the games, which is interesting. I'm like, well, if you go to tailgate, you're, 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 you're most of the way there already. Yeah, you're there. You're actually physically there. Doesn't that mean? Like, no, doesn't mean that. So I don't know. What, I don't know. I think it depends on people's emotions and um I think a lot of people will, but I think it, it may take some time. So let's ask this. I mean, we're all relatively optimistic. We know that we all believe he'll be a much better owner than Dan Snyder. Everybody believes those things. He's involved in sports. He owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Hadn't won anything. Hasn't won anything. Neither team has gotten to a conference final. Neither team is there... What do you think of that? You know I, what I mean? I, I don't. I, I don't. Not every owner is ever successful. We can go and look at people who own teams for a while. The question is, do they? Do they? Are they good stewards in right. the communities in which they live? Right. And work. Right. Own? Are they? That's it. I. I don't. I'm not. I. Can't, I you know. There's so much that that. Uh, Bring that comes into play that things are dependent upon. So I don't. That doesn't me to me. That doesn't have any play. Um, do the people who follow those franchises do they do it willingly? Do they do it happily, proudly on some level? Um, how do they feel about those teams? And I know. I mean, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. They're at least in there swinging. Yes, they are. They're in there swinging. They've you know, made the, the, terrible the, the, draft mistakes, but yes, they are. Yeah, but that's not that's not the owner's fault. The owner, the, the owners. That's you could say it's the owner's fault for hiring that person yeah. or people. And the Seventy Sixers have done it under different regimes, even even with one owner. I think. Think was all that was the process all on. Harris I think it's Watt. Harris. I think he okayed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, you can okay. I, I'm not. I, that that to me is not what I want. I, I'm judging the owner for. I can I can boo my executives plenty, or fault them, but given what we're talking about is be be a decent member of the community. That's a different standard for me. Well, there's there's no question into a final or not yeah. for me. Given the fact that he was very publicly bidding for this team, if people did not like him in Philadelphia or New Jersey, you would have heard that, and we did not hear that. Right. Nobody said a bad right. Nobody said a bad word about him. Nobody no, did. Not, not, no, not, not, so. not anything that mattered. I mean, they may have been critical too of the team's performance. Yeah, that's, to me, that's a different standard. Would you put a sta- I would. Whatever else I did, change the name, this, that, or the other thing, and I would change it again. I absolutely would change it again. Wow. But I would put a stadium at RFK. Would you? Um, I would try. I would look really hard at it. I would try to do it. The question is, is, is there enough space? People have to realize, and, and maybe if they, if they live here and don't travel very much, they don't do what you and I have done, which is seeing every stadium and every sport yeah. over a period of years. RFK is about the size of, you know, a, a gumdrop relative to today's new stadiums. Can you put the, a new stadium on that site would be like, seven or eight times the size of RFK. Not to mention, I, I'm, I'm interested to find out what their thoughts are on l- living here, not playing one game 
They're not playing eight home games or nine home games here, but living. What are their thoughts about that? Or are they locked into Loudoun County? Dan Snyder grew up here, too. Yeah, he did. He's a Maryland kid, too. Yep. No less of one than, than, than the new right. owner. That's right. So, and he, he, you know, they are still in Loudoun County. The question is, you know, could you, what could you do on that, that whole site? Can you, can you build a, 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 a development that has four football fields to practice on and headquarters? Can you do all that there? I don't. I don't think so. Hmm. Can you put a, a stadium and parking there? Yeah, yes, you can. Um, can you tear the armory down too, and and then begin to do something? It's not being used. That? And, yeah. No, yeah. and nobody's just doing that these days, Tom. I'm going through this in Chicago with the with the original franchise, the oldest franchise in the league, the Bears. And the owners say, "Wait a minute, you know, we don't just want. We got the great. We got the most. To me, and I, granted, I'm biased, but." We have the most iconic spot in all the NFL. All of it. All 32 teams. There's 31 stadiums because you got two in Giants Stadium. We got the most iconic spot. Nobody who's in the city like that on the lake. In the best spot in their city. Okay, Cleveland maybe. But and then they're gonna they're talking about moving. Seriously looking at moving. Because the, the team doesn't own the land and it can't develop it. Everybody wants to do what Robert Kraft did. Yes. Which is go to some little tiny little place that takes three hours to get to every Sunday and develop so they can own hotels and real estate uh, and, and residential and, and retail. So there's a lot that there's a lot that's going to be dependent on there, which is not just, oh, can we go and make a stadium shake? on the corners of, you know, the intersection of southeast and northeast Washington. I, it's going to be a whole lot more to it than just, you know, can we do this on Sunday? You are um, pessimistic that it will ever be what it was, correct? Yeah. No, I'm not going to say pessimistic. I just don't. I don't think that that can happen. It, 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 it will be, it'll be, people will be encouraged and much happier right away. They already are. So that that nothing but good can come from that. Will they mean to this region what they meant in say nineteen eighty seven? I have a hard time thinking they will. In part because you've got a franchise that people have said okay to. I mean, just like Tony, look, the Nationals mean a whole whole lot, but a lot of people didn't leave the Orioles. There are people, particularly where I live in Montgomery County, that, that, that are fine supporting a team in Maryland. And the Ravens are a team that are easy to like. So is the owner. They don't have to come back. They may. They may. Um, they don't have to come back. And so do, that alone means it's difficult. You've got a choice out there. This is not 1987. Right. And the, and the, and the Baltimore franchise had just moved three years earlier. Didn't the, didn't the Colts move in 84? So there's a different dynamic involved there. Um, you know, I think they can be good enough. They can be. They can be good enough fairly soon. You know, professional sports have drafts and free agency, and they're all if not flush with money. They have enough money for people to, to, to come over to their side. So I think plenty of people will. But will they occupy the same place? I no, I I don't know that that. Let me not say no because I don't want to say never. I just find it hard to see it happening in my lifetime. That's a fair. That's a fair point. Your thoughts on the British Open, by the way? Any? I, 
Tony, yeah, disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, the performance was terrific. It, terrific. I mean, this guy leads the whole time, essentially, and, you know, he played so well. There's nothing to pick apart, but there was no drama to it. I mean, we, 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 we judge other sports. We certainly, people, you know, we just coming off an of NBA season, people harshly judge it. You know, oh, you know, it was uh, the winners. They were the leaders. The stars won. It didn't. Nope. There was no drama. There was no drama to the British Open. None whatsoever. Um, I watched. I woke up and turned the TV on and watched. And um, I, there was no, there was no drama whatsoever. You know, and so there were decent performances, but good for him. I mean, he's not trying to produce drama. He's trying to win a major championship. And it's an interesting story on some level, but not the greatest story, not something that makes you go, wow, I'll I'll forget this British Open in six weeks. I won't even remember who won by Christmas. Like, what was supposed to excite me about it? Not, it was, it was not dramatic. It was not exciting. The only thing that you could say is you got to watch a guy have the best week of his life and, and push back any challenge that was out there by playing perfect golf perfect for his golf. position. He did. Yeah. He did. But, and, and, but, you know, I mean, half the time somebody's having the week of his life because half the time, I don't know if it's really half, maybe it is. I have to study it. I have to look at a list of who's won the U.S. Open, the PGA, the Masters and the British Open. There's a lot of one-time winners. Yes, and so that means somebody had the That's week right. of his life. That's right. And didn't and didn't and and doesn't we don't hear from him again? Because every every year somebody will talk about oh this and especially the British Open, where they're just people who win and they have wonderful uh, tournaments, wonderful weeks, and it's like okay that was good, but man talk about just being sort of representative of the dog days of summer. There's just nothing going on, just like in baseball. Baseball's got storylines I care about because I'm a baseball geek. And Shohei is, you know, going yeah. back to your song, your lead-in, it, it, Shohei is primary among them. But it doesn't mean there's anything like, though, so last night we had this conversation. Um, we were at Columbia again, and people would come by and, and mention they'd seen you or they hadn't seen you or whatever. And a couple people said, what are you going to lead with tomorrow on PTI? I said, I guess the British Open, but without I'd enthusiasm, like to be something else. Yes, Yes, I could. Like and there's no baseball story that he. Mm-hmm. And this was at, you know, six o'clock last night. So, so somebody could have thrown a perfect game or something could have happened last night. Or, you know, so Choi could have gotten traded or whatever. There were things that could have happened. But now that we're Monday morning, unless something happened while I was asleep, it didn't. didn't what's, what's, so, what sports story um, expanded? You, what sports stories we're talking about today? We're going to have to lead with the British Open because there's nothing right. else that jumps out. There we go. There's nothing so you, else you that jumps out. And there. what we uh, can't do, like you, you might even want to look forward at the Women's World Cup, but I don't know anything about it. So, I mean, I'm not going to be able to do it? it. No, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I watched. I watched. So I watched I'm not going to. Watch that and Messi. But that's been three days ago. Yeah, that's a long time. It's so long. And so I, I don't know. And part of what we examined is the point where I said, well, Maybe Inner Miami's playing tonight, meaning last night, while we're sitting at Columbia. I don't think so. Maybe Messi has a chance to do right. something, and there and somebody nearby heard me and said, "No, they're not playing." No, we would have heard it. I would have heard it. Yeah. You know, so, so we're so stuck. you can't look at two soccer results that are you know so old. They're they old. Friday night. 
Yeah, it's not even Saturday night. It's yeah. So we're in the dog days of summer, which is not new. It's not new. Um, That's why you have creative you producers. Open on can them. give you some juice. Yeah, it's not dramatic. So, it's not yeah, dramatic. locally it would locally, it, which we're not locally, it would be the Washington football team. I mean, look in here, Tony. Tony with with the football team, I I know two of the owners well. Right. I can say I am friends with two of the primary people that people that folks saw the photos of their newspapers uh, when they woke up, whatever morning that was, Friday or Saturday. And then that would be, you know, of course, Mark Ein And Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson, speaking of Columbia members. Yeah. And, uh, and Magic Johnson. So I'm, I'm really happy for them. It, it, it makes it more interesting for me. I, I mean, I knew Dan Snyder by the time he owned the team, but I didn't, we weren't friends. Um, we were certainly at the time friendly. But I didn't know them like I know these guys. I mean, you know, one, I mean, I know them personally. They're personal friends. And so I'm really, 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 really happy for each of them and happy for the place. You know, we talked about this, and, you know, I, got, we, I said to Matthew, do you think you will root for the team now? And he's like, no. No, it doesn't mean I've never been there. I've never seen it. And I'm like, well, are you curious? Do you want to go there? Do you want to see them? He's like, no, nah, no, I got, you know, I got Justin Fields and a, a team that's being built. I'm, I'm good, and I don't know, how, I don't know how representative that is of a generation. Of I think you have to wait 25. and see if they win, when and if they win, and yeah. that will create a drumbeat. That's that's the only thing that will create a drumbeat. Yeah, yeah, they're still new. They'll still be new. Like yeah. Tony, you said, wow, the name thing. I hadn't thought of that. You oh, think the name will change oh, again? I hope so. It's so awful. It's such an awful. Name. So what? Well, I would put it the Washington football team. I mean, Me I think too. that's a good name. I would, too. I think that's I would, a good you're name. You're going back to something And not, not only that, and I don't want to take forever on this because I may actually have to say it on television, but the Washington, if you believe that younger people differently than us are more intrigued at a younger age with soccer than we were, that yes. has a soccer sound yes, it to it. Yes. And yes. I think that might be a way to attract younger kids. Well, My, it is, because look at look what the NBA is doing. The NBA has stolen a page from soccer, world soccer, to create this nonsense, this in-season tournament. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I, I don't even understand it, much less like, like it. But it's a, it's a straight lift yeah. from soccer. And, and, Tony, unlike you and me, there are a lot of people who think it's going to be a great thing. No, I know, I know. And I don't, I'm like, so what? What what are you doing? You're not changing anything. You're just wasting energy. It's not like a play-in. It's just something, it's just marketing. It's just being called something. That's all it is. But, but but, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how people treat this every day, starting, you know, now, really. And what what, what, this is going to occupy a new place locally in our lives, nationally, because you asked me, you said to the league, that's nationally. Uh, I don't know that it has, I don't know if the tree falls and it makes a noise. No, no, you got to start local. You got to yeah. start local. You got to to have any impact nationally, you got to win. You got to yeah. win, that's all. No question. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will come back with Doug Ferguson, the Associated Press, who covered the British Open all last week. I am Tony Kornheiser. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Ronnie Newmeyer sends this, says he's got a Tom Petty tribute coming up August 12th, Saturday at the Warner Theater. Wanted to include a song or two from performers on the Petty Show. This is called Throw Me to the Wolves. It's by Karen Jonas. It's from her 2023 album, The Restless. She's got a whole bunch of albums. She's a song contest winner. She's won three Whammy Awards. Those are like Grammys in Washington. Yes. Whammys. Karen Jonas. Lovely. Tom Petty is one of my favorites. Uh, The late, great Tom Petty. Michael, if somebody wants, like Karen Jonas, to send in original music, how does she do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And we're looking at a Warner Theater event late September. Oh, yes. Wildcrats Live. Oh, is that right? Might need some help for the the boys. Oh, well, we can do that for sure. Okay. Uh, Doug Ferguson of the Associated Press gets to go all over the world to follow golf. Sometimes that's a drag. Sometimes it's not. He got rained on yesterday. Hadn't gotten rained on much through the first three days of the British Open. There's going to be a lot of criticism that it was dull. My rejoinder to that is this guy had the week of his life. Every single challenge he faced, he did great with. Um, what are your thoughts on Brian Harmon and the British Open? I think you're right, Tony. I think it was, I think it was very dull. It was very boring. And at the same time, it inspiring. At some point, you know, you have to look at, at what he did. He was awesome. as good a performance as I've seen. Your phone's uh, breaking up. Doug, your phone, can you hear me? Your phone is breaking up. Are you uh, in transit? I am in transit. I can hear you fine. I okay. didn't realize I was breaking. Yeah, just go ahead and say that again about about the thrilling and inspiring way that he, that Harmon played when you look at it. Yeah, it's going to be looked upon as, as it felt boring from, from the whole weekend, but it was still inspiring because it's, it's, as you'll see on Lynx Golf, the way he played off the screen. Hit three bunkers the entire week, which is which is like having no three putts at Augusta, and and yet what, what's confounding to me, Tony, is that as I as I was leaving the town today, and you pick up the tabloids, all their t- this tractor, they were fast. Nah, it's not working, Doug. We're we're not we, we you're breaking up in in really significant ways. So, um, good. yeah, that's not no good. So here's what happened. So Doug was driving, and we were getting, as you know, bad reception, but he pulled over to the side, and now the reception sounds better. So we're going to go back to the Brian Harmon thing and the thrilling way that he won with the best week of his life. I I mean, watching him, maybe that course favors a lefty over a righty. I, I will ask about that. But Zverluga had this incredible statistic, and I'm sure you had it too, something like over the course of four days, he made 48 out of 49 putts from inside 10 feet. That's amazing, right? That's how you win. There's, there's two things at, at Liverpool that stand out. A, it's littered with bunkers, and you have to avoid them. And B, you've got to putt. You've got you to putt anywhere. But when he missed that one on, on 13 uh, on Sunday, dropped the, the lead down to four shots, the idea that that was the first putt he'd missed from inside 10 feet is just insanity. 
I, he's he's a wonderful, wonderful putter. Can I go back to this notion? It's not the longest course in the world. Um, it, it, are there courses that favor lefties, or am I just am I just grasping at straws here? I wouldn't say you're grasping at straws, but I would let Brian answer that question because somebody asked him about two or three weeks ago. I forgot where we were, and they said, "Does this hole favor a lefty?" And Brian said, "I don't know. That's the only way I played it today." <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a great answer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we think we think about stuff like that, but I, I think the only the only thing I can think of that really favors a lefty in golf uh, might be the twelfth and sixteenth at Augusta. You know, it was perfect for Mickelson those those times he right. won and, and and even where. But by and large, no, they shape it any way they want. Uh, they can they can make it work to their favor. So I, I don't see that as a big issue. I'm I'm going to go backwards to something that I saw because I I watched a lot of the open. Didn't watch a lot yesterday. Watched the front nine for Harmon and then it was done. But I thought he won the tournament on on number twelve on Friday. He had had four birdies in a row on two, three, four, and five. He was in a position where he was certainly going to bogey on twelve and maybe even double, and he chipped in. And I just thought to myself, you know what? This guy's actually going to win the tournament. That's a that's a bold call, but I I don't disagree with you, Tony. I mean, that was I think that was the first bunker he hit all week. He took his medicine, went backwards, didn't have a choice really. Uh, and yeah, little things like that happen when when you win. And that thing has got not only bogey written all over it. He's hoping not to make double. Yeah. And he walks away with par. He plays bogey free. Uh, finishes with the eagle. He's got a five shot lead. And, and takes it from there. I, I still think one of the one of the hardest things, and Laura Davies actually brought this up on the uh, on the Sky telecast, and I think she's right. Playing with a five shot lead going for your first major when when you don't have a big history of winning in the first place is one of the hardest things in the world to do, and it, and it takes incredible grit, fortitude, whatever the word is, uh, show me to be able to handle that. And the idea that he he played not only with a five shot lead on Saturday but Sunday, but but no one no one came close to him. Well, that yeah. was his best performance. Uh, so, I mean, you sl- go to sleep with a five-shot lead for two days. Uh, there are a lot of people, and I was in texting communication Saturday, and people said, well, you know, they can catch him, they can do this, they can do that. And I wrote them back, and I said, if he shoots even, he's going mm-hmm. to win. Rom's the best player in the world. He's not going 63-64. It's just not going to happen. And then when the rain came in, I thought, this makes it – in some ways easier for Harmon because it eliminates the 63 or the 64 from anybody else. All he had to do was be steady. And for the second or third, the second straight day, Rocky for like three holes and then a couple of birdies and then totally steady, right? That's right. And, and, and really the, the two moments that, that stand out when he bogeys two of the first four and all of a sudden the lead is down to two. And we've got, let me do the math here. We've got 32 holes left and, and uh, you know, Guys that had had Harmon or probably cashing out if they could, and and he comes back with a with a huge birdie, uh, which he told us later by the way as he's walking down the fifth and he hears a spectator tell him Harmon you have no stones for this, <laughs> which is the worst thing you can say to a guy like Brian Harmon because yeah. he's, you know, he, he he just really wants to show you, uh, hits three wood under the green two putts from seventy feet for birdie and and he steadies himself. Then we get to Sunday, which by the way was really fascinating because he's in a gorse bush has to take a a drop. And, and bogeys the hole, and the lead's down to three, and now we've got 13 holes in front of us, and he goes birdie-birdie. That's what he does. Was, was the rain, my, this is another foolish theory on my part, that the rain is a factor in this regard. It, it works against 
really low scores. So that gave him yeah. even more of a cushion in my mind, or am I wrong on that? No, I think you're dead right on that. I, I think that was the uh, – you, if, if you're chasing Harmon, you wanted wind, not rain. And, and along with the, with the rain, we didn't get the wind they expected. They moved two, two uh, hole locations before the round started because they were expecting bigger wind. On 17, they moved it a little bit closer because they wanted to avoid a debacle because they were expecting wind. What they got was rain right? Uh, and, and, and soft conditions. It's perfect. But let me say this, Tony. I've seen a number of times, and if you ask me, I'm going to have to make something up, but I have seen it over my years, where all the guy has to do is play even par. All he has to do is keep it you know, in the short grass, keep it in play, and I've still seen guys choke and not be able to do it. You yeah. still have to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, famously, Sean Vandeveld. You know that that, that does he, come to mind. Yeah, I mean I, that that was certainly a, a top of mind for me. I've I've said this before. Um, Brian Harmon won the U.S. Uh, Boys Junior at Columbia Country Club, where I'm a member, mm. and I got to watch him. That was 20 years ago, and I got to watch him. He was a cocky little kid then, wearing spats, <laughs> and and he's he's tiny. I mean, he's not Ian Woosnam tiny, but on the tour today, he's tiny. He hits it really long for someone of that size. But if you talk to people about him, our first impression is always like a Napoleonic complex. Like, I'll show you. You think just because I'm 5'5 five, five or 5'6, five, I can't play. I'll show you. Do you sense that in his attitude? Com- completely. Even, you know, he even brought it up at Aaron Hills, the 2017 U.S. Open. He was leading Brooks and a couple other guys by one. And, and there was a, this sense of the small man complex. He, he was telling stories about wanting to play football and being told he's too short. Um, that that wears on him, and that's it, exactly his his whole mo. He is a he is a tough nut because of that. And the worst thing you can do is tell him you're too short. The worst thing you can do is tell him you're not good enough, and and that's what gets him go, gets him going. He, you know, yesterday was interesting. I was out on the first tee, and and when they announced his name, look, nobody was rooting for him. I get that, but there was actually booing in the grandstand, which was really wow. shocking for the uh, for the British. Wow. And Brian said later, he said, look, you know, I heard it. He goes, doesn't bother me. Everyone's got their team and the guy they root for. He goes, if, if you uh, if you want to see me poor, uh, play poorly, say nice things about me. They're doing just the opposite. So that's, that's a spot-on observation. That's so, it's really an amazing situation. Golf is not about booing. I mean, I understand they want Fleetwood or they want McElroy or somebody like that. Yeah. I, I will say, and I've, I've followed his career – and he doesn't seem to be, to me, a multi-major winner. This doesn't seem to be a turnaround. More likely, what it seems to me, is the greatest week of his life. What do you think? Just, ce- just celebrate it. And I think that's our, our takeaway from it. Because the one question I had um, going into the, to the weekend and even the final round, this guy had played 355 tournaments on the tour. And he's won twice. Why is that? For, for whatever reason, he can't get across the line. Even Brian doesn't know the answer to that, and I, and I asked him that in the, in the press conference Sunday, and he, he says the self-belief is there. Um, can't explain it. And for one week, he has the best week of his life, and I, I feel like a guy with Brian, too. There's going to be moments like that in golf. When it's your week and it happens to be a major, buddy, embrace it. That is, yeah. I mean, if you're going to have the week of your life, and you can have it at a major and not at the TPC in Cromwell, Connecticut. Then have it at a major, right? Because that, that, <laughs> that separates you from everybody. Now, he's not a star. We're not going to try and sit here and make him a star. But if, if I were Zach Johnson, 
I'd put him on the Ryder Cup. He just won the British Open. I'd put him in Europe. I'd put him on the Ryder Cup. Do you think is that an automatic for you? Yes, well, I think I think it's automatic for him too. He goes up to three in the standings, and 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 he will stay there. I, mean, I haven't done the math yet, but he looks like a lot. I would have taken him if he was nine or ten. Brian was one of those guys, even at, at Austin Country Club and and uh, Arizona when they had the old match play. Uh, he was a guy you didn't want to play. And again, it, it serves right back into that that competitive grit mode. He's a good match play player, but he he wouldn't have you know deserved to be on a team or earned his way on a team. Now that he's on, I don't think anyone's worried about it. Wyndham Clark, I think there's a lot of questions because we still don't really know this guy, even though he's a great player and having a great year. But Brian's not a guy that you say, oh, no, we're stuck with Brian Harmon. I think you want him on the side. Yeah, I agree with that. I would put Wyndham Clark on, too, just because he won the U.S. Open. Sure. You know, I would, I would put him on. Um, I am told, though, that Brian Harmon is not the most popular player. You know, you look at popular players, and Ricky Fowler is the prototype for popular players. All the other players seem to like him. Brian Harmon does seem a little bit of a loner who would, you know, as soon as somebody sinks the putt, he's walking off. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. a hail fellow well-met guy, or am I misreading that? No, I, think, I, don't, think he's, I don't think he's unlikable. We're not dealing with the America's Rory Sabatini here. Um, but right. he, he does stick to his, his own people. I mean, the, the Georgia boys love him. He's down in Sea Island. He just kind of runs in his own circles. He does have that, that kind of feisty side to him. Um, he hunts a lot, and that probably rubs people the wrong way. I mean, when you're openly talking about learning to skin a deer at age eight, uh, that just doesn't seem like a Ricky Fowler-type comment. <laughs> no. Didn't go over well in the British press either. <laughs> no. Listen, thank you so much for pulling over to the side and, and talking to us again, and, and we will catch up. I, I, you know, I, I can't defend it in terms of drama, but I can defend it in terms of, you know, what a— Four days uh, with incredible pressure. He was equal to it, right? He was equal to it. He, he led, I mean, if I, unless my math is wrong, from the third hole Friday, he never trailed. That's the last 51 holes of the Open leading. It was good stuff. It was good. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Tony. Doug Ferguson of the Associated Press, boys and girls. Nice of him to pull over and, and get that conversation going again. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Ronnie Meyer, Newmeyer and Tom Lofkin. Ronnie Newmeyer sent in the Karen Jonas. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Or it could be the birds. Could be the birds, but it's Tom Lofgren and Ronnie Newmark. And it's one of my favorite things that we've ever got. It really is. Just one. Do you want to do the Bethesda bagel? Then? Bethesda bagels. We got the bagel sandwiches this morning. Always happy when that happens. You just need to go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. The tribute today in song is to Tony Bennett, who died over the weekend at 96 years old. One of the great stylists. Not Sinatra. Let's not get carried away. Sinatra is number one. 
But after the vacuum to number two, if you said Tony Bennett was number two, nobody on earth would argue with you. Anthony Benedetto, accomplished painter and great singer. And this is his signature song. The loveliness of Paris seems somehow sadly gay. The glory that was Rome is of another day. I've been terribly alone and forgotten in Manhattan. I'm going home to my city by the bay. I left my heart in San Francisco, high on a hill it calls to me, to be where little cable cars climb halfway to the stars. If you remember when the Golden State Warriors moved out there from Philadelphia and they had uniforms that said the city on them, it was a cable car. The logo was a cable car climbing halfway to the stars. Everybody gets on the cable cars and everybody buys its Parisian sourdough bread and everybody does all these things. That's what you do in San Francisco. Thanks to our guest today, Michael Wilbon, Doug Ferguson. We have troubles with Doug, but appreciate the effort. Thanks as well to today's sponsor, Rocket Money, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. So we have some mail from Ed Butt. <clears throat> the closest thing you'll find to Lynx Golf in the United States is Bandon Dunes in Oregon. Where I've I've never been to Bandon. Everybody's been to Bandon, right, Michael? Everybody, yep. everybody but us. Bandon Dunes in Oregon, where the sand dunes on the western shore. Takes two years to get a tea time. Currently, yeah. is that right? Of Lake Michigan, <laughs> wow. Arcadia Bluffs, where Jason Anschutz was improbably paired up with Steve Sigourney, plays it to the hilt. Attached for viewers on News Channel Eight is a picture of the sod-faced fairway bunker on 15. They even have the short, thick flag sticks like they use in Scotland. That's very, very nice. Um, from Reese Knott. In London, if only Justin Thomas had asked a certain bald orange man's advice on how to get out of bunkers, he could have <laughs> saved himself a few shots by simply picking the ball up. Yeah, I took four on one hole yesterday, and I just... It's, As you say uh, to the caddy, this will take a while. Yeah, it's no good. From Tom Pace in Lakewood, Ohio. Hoylake, the neighborhood where Cynthia Lennon, nee Powell, grew up before entering the Liverpool College of Art, hmm. where she met a certain art student who also played guitar. I didn't realize that. Nor did I. I didn't realize that. John Lennon's first marriage. John Brown in Cape Girardeau in Missouri, home of a certain unnamed aging reporter at the Post. I mean, I'm aging. (laughs) I'm heading to Germany on Saturday for a week. We plan to rent a car for at least a few days and was curious if I could get any traffic updates in the Munich area. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I'll hang up and listen. From Scott in Tacoma Park, it's mid-July, and Tony is already depressed about the short winter days. Perfect. (laughs) From Tim Cree in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Nigel, that's Dr. Emilio Lazardo to you. (laughs) John Lithgow didn't go to multiple years of fake lectroid medical and villain college to be called anything less than doctor. To quote BB, the missing circuits in your head, Warfin. (laughs) Nobody watches this movie but us. James Snow, a jammy sod, asked Nigel from Herndon, Virginia. On a previous episode of the podcast, you spoke about your daughter's wedding, and you said definitively that the Hay Adams Hotel was the best view in D.C. Yes. This past Saturday, I celebrated the birthday of a woman to whom I'm related by marriage at the Hay Adams Hotel. It really is one of the best views that the country has to offer. I suggest all other folks do what I did. Reserve a table for lunch. Ask if it is possible to get a picture on the balcony after eating. Luck out that there is no other private event booked, like a wedding, Slip the concierge at 20 and experience a great view of the city. I, I'm, oh, they, and he sent along a picture. Oh, that's so nice. That's that so lovely. lovely. Yeah, you should use that for a holiday card. Some people have. Um, <laughs> Jammy sod means a uh, very lucky fellow. Oh, it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful oh, view. Yeah, it really great. is. It's a great place. From John Marshall in Durham, North Carolina, home of Duke. I just got home after a week in Portland, Oregon for a conference. 
Every restaurant I went to specified if the cheese with the meal was Tillamook cheese. Oh, yeah. My friend who lives there says it's a must for menus there. Didn't realize that. Liz will meet you at Shooters. <laughs> From Dylan Lord in Lubeck, Maine. He's begun to email us a lot. We like Dylan Lord. Yes. Tony, I'm at Martin's Surplus Store in Calais, or Calais Maine. Gold toes on sale for $5.99 for a six-pack. <laughs> Slightly irregular, but who is it? Let me know if you want me to pick you up a couple. Are these the tube socks or you know, socks with shape? You know. <laughs> Look, and Stan Longhopper in Wichita, Kansas. Don't give up on the huge cruise ship cesspools just yet. Many celebrities will host their own cruises for their fans. Just imagine Summer of Littles at Sea. You, Michael, and Nigel, along with 3,000 drunk Littles screaming lachiserie every time they see you. Daily golf challenges on the Lido deck. Endless buffets of mediocre food. Dan Byrne concerts in the theater every night. And every Little on board could get a picture with you and the gang in front of fake scenery. Sounds just like your type of vacation. I'm going to... I'm going to pass on that. Mom would want the coconut shrimp. From you. Oh, God. From Tom in Grand Manon, New Brunswick. Okay. I'm a police officer with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Presently stationed on the island of Grand Manon, M-A-N-A-N. I hope I pronounced that correctly. New Brunswick in Canada. I've been wanting to write for some time, but I was waiting until I had something I felt I could contribute. You were recently talking about how good you go in golf from turf and how you wish you could bring along a piece to hit your ball from every time. Well, you're in luck if you ever want to take a trip to Yellowknife in the Northwest Territory. It's a bit of a hike to get there if you don't like flying, as it's a 16-hour drive north of Edmonton. But the course has no fairways, just artificial greens. So you need to bring your own piece of turf or rent one out for the round. Anyway, just thought I'd share that opinion with you and your listeners. Thanks for all the stories. That's the only way I can get out of sand, to lay turf down. <laughs> It's the only thing I can do. <laughs> That's it. I'm so good on the range. I am. and so, Great range player. So bad on the course. It really stinks. If you're out on your bike, time, everyone, as always, do wear white. You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Duncan. I go from Marblehead to Revere. <laughs> I got Marblehead. the big one. <laughs> Marblehead. In 2040, the average... Major League roster has only nine players and none is an imposter. Everyone pitches an inning every night. They all hit homers, they hit them out of sight. The Dodgers, for example, have Shohei Dean, Shohei Wilson, Shohei Green, Shohei Ramirez, Shohei Magdalena, Shohei Jones, Shohei Bonavena, Shohei Patterson, Shohei Lot. That's all they need, that's all they got. Travel costs are down, hotel costs are down, catering is down. They all live in one house in town. Nine Shoheys on every big league squad. They all pitch and hit, everyone a god. They'll all be in Cooperstown, they'll all be in the hall. Twenty.
I've always been the stubborn one You've always been crazy, you know I love that when I first saw you I wasn't meant for you. I wasn't meant for you. 